Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology and WebmasterRadio.fm. It is the 6th of June, 2019, uh, 75th anniversary of D-Day. And uh, I guess it's uh, Core Update Plus 2. Um, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Dave Davies from Beanstalk, uh, Beanstalk Search Marketing. Oh my god. <laughs> Marketing. You're talking about like your brain freeze in the middle of a- <laughs> You know, it's been happening to me lately too. And I, I started chuckling because I'm like, oh, I've so been there where it's like, and it's happened and probably to you too when you have a guest on and you're like, I, I so read everything you do. And right now I'm talking and I can't remember your name. Right? <laughs> like, oh, it happens. You have those hiccups. And- you mean like that, that uh, Bill, what's his name we have coming up later on Bill, the show? Bill, Bill Gates? Is it? No. no. Why don't you introduce our guest before we dive in? Well, okay. Just you know, to be to be clear about it, uh, we have Bill Slosky coming up. To be actually as clear as we can about a whole bunch of stuff that Google's up to, or that we suspect Google's up to. Um, Bill Slosky from uh, Go Fish Digital and uh, editor of SEO by the Sea is going to be in for most of the show. But before we get to Bill, whole bunch of stuff happened in the uh, the search marketing world, um, including a. Uh, Fairly significant shift at Google. Um, if you're, uh, I don't know, like the editor of, say, the DailyMail.co.uk, <laughs> you might have noticed your traffic got cut in half the last couple of days. Yeah. Um, now, that doesn't mean that it's going to stay that way. Core update 2019, June 2019. What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I, I don't have like a, you know, the, the full, I haven't done a big analysis. I, I don't, not that I know of anyway. I don't think a big analysis has been done, but. You it, can't analyze it yet. It's not done. It's still rolling out. This, this is going to take, this is going to take days, apparently. It is, and it is big. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny because I, I look in, in my, like every day I, I get, get ranking uh, sort of updates. Um, on what's going on for, for all of our clients. And I'm looking and I'm seeing, yeah, there's some, some shuffling, but like a position or two. And then I start looking at the world around me as in, you know, sort of articles like daily mail would be a good example. And there's these 50% losses, 50% gains. And that really has my curiosity up. I'm like, what, why is it that for the most part there's there's actually two clients that are that are off this but but most of them are in there where it's most of our clients have remained more or less stable through it little gains little losses but everything's pretty much nothing has changed our plans for all but two of them right like everything's sort of like oh okay more just keep doing that and and they keep moving up the way they're supposed to um, so I'm not sure what the difference is between these ones what do you think well, here's the thing that, that should be emphasized whenever there's a major change at Google. Most of us have regular clients. We have small business, medium-sized business, even see large-scale-sized businesses. But they're, you know, they're regular businesses doing regular business things, serving a regular business clientele. Um, pretty straightforward stuff that doesn't change very often. Mm-hmm. So Google's relationship with those websites aren't going to change very often. Your 
doing SEO for the sake of clarity, not for the sake of buying a whole bunch of links and like uh, spamming your way to the top. Um, for the most part, with like you know, again, regular run-of-the-mill clients, you're not going to see a whole bunch of fluctuation. And in fact, the idea of the, like the, like 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 updates should, in fact, help make your site more visible in the long run. However, if you're running a mega site that has like a gajillion, e a gajillion uh, 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 items or, or products, uh, maybe maybe it's a massive e-com site, uh, a money or your life site, or more importantly, a site that's running tons and tons and tons of advertising, then Core Update can be really um, impactful because chances are something's going to trigger and you don't know exactly what it is until <laughs> the dust is settled and everyone starts comparing notes. Indeed, and you touched on something that I think is really, really important right, right when we first started talking about this story. And I, I, I like to remember that some of our listening audience is going to be say, less seasoned than, than say you or I are. Like we, we remember the day of, you know, Google dances in 2006 or it was like, all right, that happened you know, sit tight for four to six weeks because that's when the next update happens. <laughs> and that was just the, the, the rotation of things. Um, just because we're seeing this update happen now, and it is still rolling out, that was, that was a, great, uh, a great call on your part as well. Problems happen. There will be hiccups. This is a massive core update. There will be hiccups that Google recognizes early on, right? Like that happens in every major update and they will correct things. So, I, I try and remember this myself, and it's really, really hard sometimes, but I, I still try and remember it is if you see a big upset or a big gain, first off, don't report a big gain to your client and go, hey, mission accomplished, we're done, because there's a good <laughs> chance that's going to come back and bite you in the butt. Um, yeah. And if you take a big loss, you know, it is good to go, you know, just calm down for a sec. We have to stay the course for, you know, at least try and give it a week. Keep doing things that just naturally would inherently be good but don't make any big, uh, big changes based on who you see in the winner and losers list because that, that may change, right? There, there will be some adjustments and, and some tweaks um, now, the, to sort of compensate for what this uh, core update's doing. Couple of neat points here. This is, um, do you use Google, do you use annotations in, uh, in Google Analytics? Oh yeah, aren't they awesome? They are amazing awesome. <laughs> I think this is, if, you, if, you, if listeners out there aren't using them, this is a really good time to get acquainted with them because something major just happened. So now, uh, annotations, if you like look at the timeline at the bottom of like uh, Google Analytics, double click somewhere on that timeline and um, a little uh, 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 text box will come up, make a note, it'll save that note uh, against that date. And you can start tracking stuff. Like this is a good time to start making point notes in, in, in annotations or in a notepad file that you're keeping that goes along with your annotations. Mm -hmm. um, especially if you have multiple sites where you can see effects happen, um, start making those for yourself and start sharing that with the rest of the community. You, know, you never reveal the client, of course, but these are the factors that cause this, this, and whatnot. After a while, collectively, we figure stuff out. <laughs> um, one thing I do know for sure, Monday was the day that, that Google released the, uh, the update. Monday also happens to have been the birthday of like two people who have been in the industry forever, uh, Catfish Comstock, and uh, Carolyn Shelby. Uh, Catfish has been an SEO um, contributor to the community knowledge base and just a good fellow for like forever. Um, and Carolyn Shelby, she's a webmaster radio host, one of the original hosts of SEO 101. She's gone by the name Seashell forever. 
So Google is insisting they want to call this the June 2019 core update. And I actually I actually really support um, the use of day, month, year naming for core updates, but because in the long run, it's the best way to track their implementation and their effect, right? Mm-hmm. But I figure that you know that we we should we should use it. I mean, Danny's right. Danny Sullivan's right. We should call this the June 2019 core update officially. But you know, unofficially between us, we should name updates. We're the ones who obsess on them. We're the ones who like uh, 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 talk about the the, the the treat them like puzzles with solutions. And those solutions, they 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 belong to us. The ones who solve them or make use of the solutions. So I'm suggesting we informally rename the update the the Sea Selfish update. <laughs> to honor uh, seashell and catfish at the same time. So I'm going to call this the Seashellfish June 2019 core update from, from <laughs> 10th forth forward. You heard or, it here first, folks. Seashellfish for short. <laughs> I feel awesome. good about getting that in. <laughs> awesome. Um, all right, I know we've only got a couple minutes. Fortunately, we got Bill on so we can talk about some of these stories with, uh, with Bill. Because, you oh, know, absolutely. I hear he's a great guy. The update big time with Bill. Um, but what do you want to chat about before Bill's on? Yoast. You, Yoast took a... Uh, Yoast Devolk, maker of uh, probably the most popular of SEO uh, WordPress plugin, um, Yoast SEO. Um, he stepped back from CEO of being... of, of CEO at Yoast um, and took on the job of chief marketing officer at WordPress itself. That was like two months ago, three months ago. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, he announced he's stepping back from it. Um, apparently, his view of what a chief marketing officer does, which is a, a very immersive uh, role, isn't really shared so much by the developers at uh, WordPress, who appear to have seen that as more of a advertising role. And so, uh, Yoast is no longer CMO at uh, at WordPress. He's back to uh, well, back to the the rock pile at. Uh, at, at 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 Yoast. Good. <laughs> like, um, yeah, I mean, it was it was great when he when he was over at WordPress. I mean, well, not great. It's all well and good, and you know, wished him luck. Um, but I certainly don't mind seeing him uh, seeing him back. As far as I'm concerned, kind of where he belongs. <laughs> I remember kind of joking with him. The, the the measure of his success will be how many people install like WordPress 5.0 and up. <laughs> you can convince people to do that, dude. Like, excellent. Um, okay, moving along. Firefox has blocked all trackers, which includes some of Google Analytics functionality. Yeah. Yeah, the newest version of Firefox. If you download Firefox, um, Google Analytics will still work. You'll still see a whole bunch of Google, Google Analytics information, but... Users who are using Firefox and visiting your clients' websites, well, they might n- certain aspects of their visits might not register. However, the fact that they were at your website, the basic traffic sets should register because that's like that's 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 a third-party cookie. Um, Firefox doesn't block that, but it does block uh, subsequent visit tracking. Yeah, um, <laughs> as, 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 as a privacy person, as a user, I mean, you know, I've got to love this, right? Like just as a, as a human being yeah. um, who's going, 
hey, I like using the web. I mean, they they made a they they called out Chrome on a few things. It was awesome, um, and and on on rightful things like you think incognito's incognito. It's not right. Like good. I mean, these are these are things that need to be need to be told. Um, but at, at the same time, I'm also a marketer, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, um, okay. I'm glad Chrome's more popular than you guys are right now <laughs> because you know it's it's you know I value the data when I'm a marketer and, and using remarketing like oh okay we've got you know subsequent visit you know you can you can understand more about the the visitor base that helps us make marketing decisions right how many visits does it take to produce a conversion you know that sort of stuff um but at, at the same time yeah it, it's it's a mixed blessing of sorts and it, it, even if you took away you know as long as I have my core analytics I'm, I'm more or less happy but still I'm um you know, as a marketer, I don't love it. As a human being, I do. So, yeah. Well, I'm I'm pretty much the same way. The, the long term, it's long term aggregate data that's being taken away from marketers, um, and and taken away from from the mm -hmm. large companies themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, now, do you do you remember that when AOL did that era data drop and leaked like I think <laughs> five hundred thousand, uh, uh. The, the the information on five hundred thousand some odd queries. Yeah. Oops. It was completely randomized, but people were able to put together the identities of of the search users. Yeah. So while it's anonymized data that that Firefox isn't tracking, it is actually possible to use that data to put together people to figure out people's actual identities. Mm -hmm. So on one side, I'm really happy that they are blocking it. On the other side. Oh, you know, it's funny. I was, I was, um, I was having supper with a with a guy who 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 used to work at Facebook, and we were talking last night. And we were talking about business models and uh, original business models and stuff. And nobody, nobody, the, the information data personal tracking business model that wasn't what the web was for. That's not what Tim Berners Lee had in mind, or that's not what Vince Cerf had in mind, and it's certainly not what even even the early early implementers at Facebook had in mind. But it's what's evolved. So taking that away, taking that information away, will have an impact on the business of the web in the long run. So that'll be interesting. That uh, be. Studio just sent a note to us. Uh, for people who are interested in, in that story about Yoast, Yoast is going to be appearing on Press This on Tuesday with uh, with David Vo uh, Vogelpohl. The uh, show's dropping on Tuesday. It's uh, It's been pre-recorded. But uh, Yoast spoke with David the same day that he left WordPress. So uh, that'll be an interesting show. On that, Dave, we got we got we got Bill Slosky waiting in the wings. We should um we should probably take a break right about now and get to Bill so we can pack in as much like patented goodness as we possibly can. <laughs> well done, Jim. <laughs> okay, so on behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing, it really is. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You're listening to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. It is the sixth of June, twenty nineteen. We're back with Bill Slosky after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break. All right, guys. I want you to come up with an ad for a patented platform that lets you see any company's analytics accounts. I'm talking Amazon, Tesla, Netflix, etc. You know, see their sales and stats in real time. It's called Nacho Analytics. Tim? Nacho, regular analytics company. 
Charlotte. You can tap into analytics of major companies that don't want you to know how they're performing. Right. And you can also check the traffic and engagement for any influencer on any platform across all platforms. Tim? Okay. Let us help you grow your business. Bailey? So it helps you jump ahead in the concept and development stages so you can build your product better and ahead of schedule. Absolutely. Nacho Analytics lets you see anyone's analytics in real time. Tim? You'll be wondering, where has this company been my whole life? Tim. Sorry. Sales, subscribers, and stats all in one place, and the data is totally anonymous. Holy guacamole, that's good stuff. Ah, now you have me making puns. Let Nacho Analytics level the playing field. What will you do when you can lift the curtain on the internet? NachoAnalytics.com It passes before it's noticed a slight. Rising of the eyebrows... A widening of the eyes. It may be accompanied by an almost imperceptible inhalation. The heart as a beat, like a quiet exclamation point on the experience. Within a tenth of a second, the reaction has passed, but not without leaving its mark. Someone found what they're looking for. Does your website deliver impulses to act? It can. Intended Consequences is the podcast for digital marketers who see their job as changing hearts and minds. If you're frustrated, bored, or in a rut, it's time to spread your wings with Brian Massey and his guests. Find out how successful, curious, creative, and data-driven marketers are making a difference on purpose. Visit IntendedConsequencesPodcast.com and find us where you get your podcasts. Intended Consequences. Marketing on Purpose. WebmasterRadio.fm. Take your hat off, kick your feet up, and log into the feed. We're here for you 24-7. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Webcology and WebmasterRadio.fm. It is the 6th of June, 2019. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Media and Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. And uh, I'm pretty sure that any second now we're about to be joined by Bill Slosky from GoFish from Go Digital. Uh, see, that was actually my cue to see if we had been joined by him, but apparently we haven't. But He's got the link. He's on the way in, and uh, he'll be here any second. Perfect. Well, what do we want to cover? Well, I guess you know what. I'll let our audience while we're while we're waiting for him. Let him know what inspired me to uh, to drag him on. Um, last week we touched a, a little bit on neural matching. Um, Bill had written a, a great piece over it uh, at GoFish Digital on semantic frames and word embedding. Well, the, the exact title is semantic frames and word embeddings at Google. Um, and it was posted on May 28th. Um, an absolutely fantastic piece. He could do way better than I can. I would be sort of like, you know, poorly cliff notesing uh, what he was, what he'd been talking about. So I'll, I'll let him talk about it himself. Um, but it is a great read. Uh, and basically if we look at articles, uh, Jen had written on neural matching, you look at things like, like Bill's articles here, um, the purpose, I, I think, for the listeners, or, or at least why I thought, okay, we need to have Bill on, 
Uh, hopefully we can drag Jen on in, in the near future because she wrote a, a great piece on neural matching. Um, is it really helps us understand how Google understands language and at the end of the day, out of all the SEO tips, tricks, blah, 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 understanding how Google understands language combined with how Google understands users, that really is SEO, right? <laughs> like, this, is, this is at its core. Um, the two things Google's trying to match together is what is the content that exists here and, and what does the user want? That's at the end of the day what they're trying to accomplish. So that's, I think for our listeners, what Bill's going to be chatting with us about um, is incredibly valuable as a cornerstone um, of what we should be thinking about when we're thinking about SEO. Um, we, I, I, I have Bill on uh, on Facebook and Messenger right now. Just run a quick message. We're on air right now, trying to explain your writing. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> I knew that would get him. Works every time. <laughs> Bill Slosky, bro, how you doing, man? Good. How are you? I'm excellent, and um, on behalf of Dave, pretty sure Dave's excellent too. I am most excellent. <laughs> Good to hear. <laughs> All right, let's dive in. Bill, I, you know what I, I was doing, and I, I refused to actually dig into the piece that made me really want to drag you on, and it's your May 28th piece um, over at GoFish Digital, okay. um, where you were talking about semantic frames, word embeddings. I mean, these are words that sort of would make most people, you know, fog over when they're like, okay, I, I don't even want to start down this path. But you have a, have a great, it's, it's, it's why you're a, a legend when it comes to analyzing patents and, and analyzing bits of information like this, because the way you word things actually brings them, uh, you know, into the real world and helps make them digestible um, to, to, to lay people and, let's be honest, experts alike, because you know, SEO is a big field and, uh, and we need to understand this stuff and it's not always understandable or, or attainable. So take it, take it for, at its core, what was the article about? What was, and, and you can use your legal examples again if you want, because they're, they're great and they, they, they are wonderful in, in the article itself. Why, what are you talking about and why is it important? Okay, so the concept of word embeddings, which is behind we've been told is behind rank brain is something that doesn't understand the context of words when it sees them on a page or in a query. Uh, when you see the word bank and somebody says they have to go to the bank to get money, they're not going to the river bank. You know, they're going to a financial institution, but uh, without the context, without uh, you're not sure what that word means. And word embeddings don't understand context. So Google came out with a patent where they talked about using semantic frames as part of a pre-training natural language processing approach where they would say, if they, if they see a word like bank, they would say, this could be a financial institution, this could be the side of a river. It depends on the context of the rest of the words but you've got these two different frames that it fits within. Something that might confuse listeners is, um, well, just the idea that Google's over 20 years old and must have faced this problem before. Why is this, why is this happening now? They've sort of been working their way up to this. They came out with a patent last year where they talked about something they called context vectors, where they said, 
if we find a word that has multiple meanings, and the, the example they gave was a horse. A horse to an equestrian is an animal. A horse to a carpenter is a tool. A horse to a gymnast is an exercise implement. So you've got three different types of horses. And they said we might use knowledge base articles about the same thing and pull out context terms from those articles. So if you see a page that includes the word horse, it also covers uh, stirrups and saddles, you know they're talking about the animal when they refer to horse. So the context terms uh, give a word meaning, provide context to it. So that's what they're trying to do with this uh, frame semantics word embedding approach. They're trying to make words that they find in text understandable. So, I mean, the, the, the natural logical extension for me um, is we understand, like, from, from, from what you're talking about, and, you know, disclosure for everybody, just because Google patents something doesn't mean that they're actually using it, right? You know that. It's just a disclosure. Thing. This one just seems like a natural, like, of course they are. Um, you know, using this or, or some system like it, right? I mean, that's just like a disclosure on all yeah, patterns, but I think the semantic frames might actually be dated. <laughs> that's actually a really, a really, really good point. Because uh, as you talked about rank brain, right? Like that was 2015, right? So, so here we are, and they were already using using similar systems. As an SEO, if we can understand from this patent and, and understand from what you're talking about that. Google wants to understand what kind of horse it is, right? Like they want to understand what this word horse is. And so they're going to look for other terms on that page that would reinforce what kind of horse it is. As an SEO, that lends me the action item in my brain anyway. Oh, okay, if I want to be relevant for the version of horse that I am, because I'm an equestrian expert or whatever, it naturally makes sense that I now need to reinforce those other terms because if Google's looking for them, then that's how they build relevancy. Is that is that a fair sort of conclusion to come from in, in that um, build, you know, sort of assessment? Into your uh, writing, absolutely. So Google is using tools like these semantic frames, or there's a newer thing called BERT, which is short for bidirectional encoder representations from transformer, which is a way of looking at words in a window around a word that you're trying to understand. You're trying to get the context of that word. You know, learn the meaning of a word from the words that surround it. Uh, so that's that's the new big thing. Uh, Google People from Google have open sourced it and they've been publishing papers on it that talk about how it works within different types of natural language processing like understanding when a word might be missing from a sentence or a sentence might be missing from a paragraph. And they use something like BERT or these semantic frames to try to fill that type of stuff in. And that's part of natural language processing that has sort of evolved quickly at Google. Now, how, how aggressive do you think the path is going to be forward that they're on right now? Um, like in understanding language, I mean, there was there was some talk. I can't remember specifically what the, what the technical reference point was to it, but um, of Google actually building out 
basically their own content, right? Like we're going to take answers from a bunch of things, combine those into our own answer and then produce that say as a featured snippet. Um, so is it, is it fairly reasonable to think this is going to be a, an aggressive area of growth for them? And what does that mean for SEOs? Like what, or, or, or not even SEOs, but, but website owners and content developers, what are, what would you suggest that they be looking at and, and they be doing to make sure they're sort of safeguarded against um, the, the future? Well, Google's trying to use these natural language processing tools for a few reasons. One of them is because they sometimes have some very short content that they'd like to index. For instance, tweets uh, or pages that may not have very much content on them. They may try to do query rewriting like they do with RankBrain or Hummingbird. And if they can use a, a tool like, like BERT or Semantic Frames to understand better what's being searched for, what somebody means when they're performing search. And this is uh, the time where we've gone past strings matching uh, words on, in the query to words in the document to uh, things, trying to understand meaning. Uh, RankBrain helps understand meaning by looking at a query and saying, that's not quite what they meant. That's what they typed that they wanted, but they left out some words. And these are probably the words. So someone searches for uh, New York Times puzzle. Google knows they left the word crossword out. Let's include crossword in the query and show them crossword puzzles from the New York Times. So how important do you think this is going to be? And it's interesting. We've got a guest coming up uh, in a couple weeks to chat about voice search. And, and I mean, we're talking about, I mean, that's uh, ripe with a bunch of scenarios where I half leave out most of my context, right? Through conversation, we often do, or I've got a secondary command going to my Google device Right? I didn't include anything from the first. Is this going to be an area? Could that be some of the driving force behind this is not just understanding web pages, but also trying to figure out what the heck we're saying when we're asking our devices questions. So one of the types of things that uh, gets done in natural language processing is understanding co-references. Or another word that is more understandable is pronouns. So who... Uh, which, uh, how, how tall is Barack Obama? Who is he married to? Right. In the follow-up query, it was, uh, who is he? I didn't repeat Barack. And Google, to understand that query, has to understand that it's a pronoun, he, and it's referring to Barack Obama. It tags the earlier uh, reference as something uh, that might be referred to by the later pronoun. So we're, we're getting natural language processing to understand what's being referred to in a query like that. So what's making them want to do? I mean, obviously there's a quest for better and better results. Um, but when, I, I'm assuming that they're basically a, an advertising engine, right? I mean, that's, they happen to give us search results and, and answers because, because that feeds their ads. So what's their end game? What is... What do you think they're trying to accomplish? I mean, they're, they're having to put massive, massive resources into, into these moves. 
what experience are they trying to produce for us as an end user? You know, sort of flash forward as much as you can, sort of three to five years from now. What what user experience are they trying to generate for us that that's different that, that these technologies and I think you know the way you're talking about them these are some of the core technologies that we're dealing with here um, and, and that we need to be considering what future are they trying to build for us is it voice is it desktop is it both are they trying to provide full answers or are we still going to be having some clicks available to us right I, what, what do you think I mean if you could if you could put on you know pull out your crystal ball or maybe put on your tinfoil hat, either one. <laughs> okay, so, so they've been telling us for years that their purpose is to help fill the situation and informational needs of searchers. Mm-hmm. So going beyond that, they're becoming a, a discovery engine. That's why we have uh, Google Discover, the news feed that uh, caters to your uh, interests. And those are express interests or they're interests that are implied through your search history. So Google has an idea of what TV shows you might like. I'm writing a, a new post right now called uh, about medium, media construct, consumption histories, about the entities that you watch, listen to, that you watch TV shows with or movies. And Google knows who those people are. Uh, it, it can track that type of stuff. Uh, it, it can find ways to do that. Uh, it can listen in on your phone to what you're watching on TV. Uh, it may not tell you that, but there are uh, <laughs> audio warm-ups that accompany uh, TV shows that accompany commercials that lets something that might be listening know what you're exposed to. And so if Google knows what types of movies you want, you can ask it, Hey, Google, who is the actor in this movie I'm watching? It knows what movie you're watching. It knows who the actor is. It can tell you. And that's what the media consumption history patent is about. Uh, that's sort of a direction that we're heading towards. And so, so, so Google's becoming like the omnibrain, for, for, for want of an, another term. It's becoming the ultimate uh, personal assistant. Okay, now... If I remember correctly, um, in 2015, uh, late 2015, early 2016, RightBrain gets introduced as a uh, tool for Google to uh, try to figure out the context of searches it hadn't actually encountered before. Um, weirdly phrased searches or searches with uh, horrible misspellings or um, out-of-context questions. You're saying it's done that, and now it's evolved to try to figure out basically what people are saying. Well, would that be a correct interpretation? What people are leaving out. Oh, okay. So what they mean, or what they mean to be saying, perhaps. What they mean to be saying, right. Uh, so we had Hummingbird, which came out earlier, and Rank Brain is related to it. They're cousins, right? Uh, so... Hummingbird uh, understood the context of a query from all the words in the query, not just the words adjacent to each other, but uh, find me a place that has terrific pizza and uh, make a reservation. Uh, when, when you say place, a place that has good pizza, you don't mean like your neighbor, 
You mean restaurant? <laughs> well, unless my neighbor makes exceptionally good pizza. Well, but, you know. If people know that, I can visit your neighbor if you want pizza there. But uh, when you ask Google, uh, it's looking at the word place and saying place. What is that? Is that like a dry goods store? Uh, it's trying to figure out the context in that query. Uh, and that's a spoken query, more likely than not, because people tend to speak in natural language rather than talk in keywords. <laughs> if only we could get them moving over to keywords, we wouldn't have had to evolve from like 2006. But well, we Google's, Google's trained us to use keywords. Now they're training us to talk to them like the real people. And how do you know what that, that you bring up a really, really interesting point. And what do you think? And you might just be going by instinct here. Uh, I have found myself like even even me, you know, and, and I only say even me because you know, I've been doing SEO for like 20 years now. And even I've found that when because of voice search, when I'm typing into Google and in part because of Google's performance in this area, I do I do tend to make longer queries now that involve more around what I'm looking for, like what is, or, right, you know, you're starting to put those, you know, sort of clarifiers into my queries, and it is helping Google understand. Now, what do you, maybe this is a chicken and egg kind of question, but is Google better at answering what is the American Civil War? I'm just using that as an example for an article I'm writing right now. Because of voice search, or are, did voice search come, you know, basically which one came first? Were they just naturally getting better at understanding what is, is actually an important part of this query because of the keywords, you know, sort of typed into the search box on desktop? Or have they been forced to because so many people are using voice search now that they're really needing to understand this is what a person means when they're speaking? Because it used to be I'd just type in American Civil War and then, you know, struggle my way through. <laughs> you know, sort of figuring out how to how to teach Google, which which you know, using pluses and minuses and quotes to you know clarify what would be on the page with it instead. So, if someone speaks to query, Google transcribes what they say into text, and then speech it searches that. So, they're still searching text, uh, written text. They're not searching it in the uh, short format that we got used to uh, that worked well with early phones where you had to keep it limited. You couldn't talk. Uh, or early computers. Uh, someone who's doing a presentation on Rank Brain asked me for suggestions. I said, okay, over the next week or so, instead of typing keywords in query boxes, uh, type full conversation questions. See what kind of response you get. See how it's different. Experience it. Okay, well, to long story short, it how different would it be? What do you think? If you don't try it, you don't get that first-hand experience, which I think is helpful. Okay. We have to take a break. I actually, I want to get a, a quick, uh, a quick thing before we had to go to break, but we should probably do that now because we're going to be rounding the hour off. Bill, can we take you to stick around for for a few minutes while we go to messages? Sure. Cool. Uh, thank you. On 
friends, on behalf of uh, Bill Swosky from GoFish Digital and Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing, this is Jim Hedger at Digital Always Media. You're listening to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. It is the 6th of June, 2019. Stick around. We're back after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. All right, guys, I want you to come up with an ad for a patented platform. What if you had access to analytics from the most visited sites on the web? Think about real-time sales and signups from Amazon and Netflix, stats and engagement from Slack and HubSpot, all on one patented platform. That's Nacho Analytics. Nacho's perfect for details on your product design and development, instant for influencer info, and fantastic for real-time financial figures. Level the playing field today for your business with Nacho. What are you doing? All this Nacho talk got me hungry. Level the playing field today for your business with NachoAnalytics.com. Seriously? Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Don't get caught in a web of confusion. Learn the ropes on webmasterradio.fm. We're everywhere. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Everyone, welcome back to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. It's the 6th of June, 2019, and exactly 11 years ago today, Dave and I were in uh, Seattle, Washington, at an event that's actually the uh, new new and improved version is happening right now. SMX Advance is taking place in uh, Seattle, Washington. If um, anyone's uh, in the in the area. Get down to the waterfront. There's in some of the most incredible, brilliant, and kindest search marketers in the world. Um, what's the teddy bear's picture thing? If gathered there, if ever there was. Uh, anyway, they're all gathered in Seattle uh, to talk SNX Advance. Um, and unfortunately, neither of us are there. <laughs> but, you know what? Well, we get to chat with Bill, and we probably wouldn't be doing that if we were. So, you know, there we are. You take your wins. It's a trade-off, I guess. <laughs> okay, Bill, the other day, I think it was just yesterday, uh, uh, John Kerkut, uh one of the hosts of SEO 101 and a you know, long-term SEO in the community, puts up on uh, on Facebook, he's um, getting his power, a PowerPoint slide together, trying to explain entities to a bunch of, um, you know, halfway knowledgeable C-levels. And um, he's having trouble wondering if he should use the word noun um, I think a lot of a lot of people in the community are having trouble with the code word entities um, was John right should he have used the word noun to describe what an entity is in, in describing right these La Yorona comes to 
It's like it's limited. Okay. There are better ways of describing what an entity is. When you uh, say it's a noun and somebody says, is democracy an entity? Of course it is. And it's a noun, too. But democracy is a, a thing. It's a concept. Uh, if you, if you uh, tell people, no, it's a person, place, or thing, instead of a noun, you have to then define what a thing is. You have to make sure that they understand that concepts are things, brands are things. When somebody starts talking about Google having a brand preference, I disagree. Google has an entity preference. Okay, so if you were in John's shoes and you had to explain the concept of entity, and you only got a couple words to do it because, you know, the sea level, like they fall asleep, right? Yeah. Um, what words would you choose? I would go with the person, place, or thing and explain that things are concepts too. Things are things that can be described in a short amount of text. They're unique. Uh, and I don't think there needs to be a whole lot more than that. <laughs> Sometimes things are just simple. Um, Except search and Google, because um, I think I think everybody would agree that that it's actually becoming a lot more complex and it requires a lot more explanation. Um, Bill, you are again like I'm, 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 I'm just to fill in the odd listener who isn't aware of this. You are considered the foremost expert on patents um, in the in the SEO industry. Are you finding it harder? to explain the intentions of the search engines to your readers than, than say, five or ten years ago? I'm not sure if that's a reflection of me or my readers. <laughs> no, the, no, Natasha, I think it's a reflection of the complexity that, that we're dealing with now. So I'm, I'm not Jeffrey Hinton. I didn't invent neural networks. I'm not sure I could explain... I, I, I read some things by uh, uh, on, on uh, what a neural network is in terms of how it imitates uh, a person's brain. And, and I think it makes sense that it does that by understanding small mass information at a time. It filters and uh, learns from features and it constructs a, constructs, a, constructs a bunch of features to understand the whole of something. Uh, I'm not sure how easy that is to explain to most people. <laughs> when, I, when, I, when I came out with that uh, post on semantic frames and I explained how uh, in the courthouse, we understood the meanings of words that weren't everyday normal conversation. Mm -hmm. It's true with the SEO industry, too. We use terms and phrases that most people wouldn't understand. You know, we say something's a, uh, on page SEO, and we say something's off page SEO, and we can have arguments over what's on page SEO and what's off page SEO, but we can understand what each other's talking about. We have some sense of what we, we mean by both those phrases. Somebody who uh, doesn't work in SEO will think 
We're insane. <laughs> Somebody who doesn't work in the CO probably already does. <laughs> in the uh, you've published, I, I actually I can't even. I've lost count of how many things you've published just since the beginning of this year. But it's you're publishing two or three pieces a week, it seems. Um, and I know this is a, a difficult one to ask, but if um, if listeners were to go back through through your library at uh, at GoFish Digital, um, what, what what are some of the, the the concepts that you would want them to touch on to, to make sure that the, that 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 they learned? Uh, it's tough. It's it's kind of tough because uh, I don't just publish there. I don't just publish the SEO by the sea where I'm not publishing there. Oh, so I just figured that was a repository of of just stuff that you'd written. I I published I've been publishing at Search News Central. I've been mm-hmm. publishing at uh, Search Engine Journal uh, within the past year. Um, well, okay. Is there a, a, a one repository of everything you've written, or is no, it? Uh, there isn't. But is I've, that been, Google? I've been looking at uh, trying to add schema to SEO by the Sea to make it easier to uh, index and search. You can search using schema uh, in uh, Google custom search. There's a way to uh, search just a a schema markup that you include on pages. Okay. Which I thought would be an interesting thing to do if I can include things like – the names of patents, the numbers of patents, and the uh, categories, the classifications of patents. I can make it easier for people to find things that they wanted to see if I'd written about. Well, like David said earlier, just because Google's written a patent on it doesn't mean that they've actually that Google's actually incorporated what the process or or item that they had patented into the uh, the functional algorithm. And that's that's something that. He's quoting Matt Cutts for on. Okay, so there's definite, definite beloved authority there. When, um, when, when Matt published or co-invented a patent with like seven other search engineers from Google on uh, historic, yeah, information retrieval through historical data. That was a great patent. They listed... Uh, a bunch of things that indicated whether something was stale or spam. And they included stuff like uh, length of registration of domain. Failing to realize that in real life, human beings, when they register a domain name, usually just register one year at a time, provide a, a credit card number, and the company who handles domain registration renews automatically. On that credit card, mm-hmm. you don't have to register for longer than a year. So they were saying that people who only register for a year are more likely than not spammers because they're not protecting the domain name and they're trying to spend as little money as possible. They're going through a, a churn and burn process where they don't really care about the app putting out a long-term uh, domain name as a as a property that they don't maintain for a long time because they they want to spam now, uh, and and when they wrote that patent they didn't really think that through. 
Uh, well, I imagine that happens a lot. You, you know, the Googleites live in a bubble, um, in, in, in a little little bubble of Mountain View. Um, how often do you come across stuff that you just look at and shake your head and go, oh, my goodness, that, that's an oversight? They've got a few people there who actually have some real-life experience. About well, like, 30,000, I'd hope. The head of structured data for Google is Alain Halevi, and he worked on websites before he joined Google. He created a huge classifieds website where it aggregated classified classifieds ads from a number of sites, sort of like Indeed does. Yeah. And so he had experience doing stuff like that, and when he writes patents or papers, you can tell he's actually done a lot of stuff. But there are other people who don't. So when GoDaddy came out with an ad saying, if you register a domain name for 10 years or more, it'll help you with your SEO. We recommend you do it. <laughs> that was nice. That was natural. <laughs> so, so Matt produced a video within the next week saying, hey, just because we have a domain, a patent on something doesn't mean we're doing it. Well, I remember, I mean, I, there's a lot of stuff that comes out of Google patents patents that become like basically canon law in SEO. We have to go in a couple seconds, but last, last quick question. Is there anything that you know of to be canon law that is not actually covered in a patent? This isn't actually happening. There are some things that uh, weren't covered in a patent that, that uh, got abandoned by Google. For instance, uh, pagination markup. Was yeah. It <laughs> okay, uh, Bill, I'm sorry. I would like, we, we have to leave it at that. That's the, that's the goodbye music in the background, and we have a hard stop at three because it's another show, a live show coming up right after us. So... Bill Slosky from GoFish Digital, editor of SEO by the Sea, and um, eminent expert in like patents in the SEO field. Thank you so much, man, for joining us on Webcology today. Oh, thank you, Jim. Thank you, Dave. Thanks, Bill. On behalf of uh, Dave Davies from Beanstalk Search Marketing, Internet Marketing. What, what, what is it today? Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm Alfred Day Davis from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. This is Jim Hedrick from Digital Ways Media. You've been listening to Webcology on WebmasterRadio.fm, recorded live to podcast on the 6th of June, 2019. Thanks to Brasco and the Webmaster Radio staff. Stay safe, have fun. Stick around WebmasterRadio.fm. More great stuff coming up on the network, and we'll talk to you next week. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.